Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode, episode 32 of Bible Prophecy Radio. I'm your host, Albert Hardy. That's Albert with an E. I want to start out today by going to 2 Thessalonians. Is there prophecy in the works of Paul? Well, let's just see. Chapter 2 and verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him. Sounds like the rapture. That's prophecy. That you soon be not shaken in mind and troubled, neither by spirit or by word or by letter from us, or as if it were from us, as that day of Christ, the Lord, is right near at hand. Huh, wait a minute. Don't the preachers today say that Jesus could come at any moment? That it's intimate or immediate or something like that? Maybe not intimate. That may be the wrong word. Let no man deceive you by any means, verse 3, chapter 2, Thessalonians. For that day shall not come, except there there be a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of sin, or son of perdition. But the words, that day shall not come, are not in the original Greek. They're not in the original Greek. They were added. So let's read it without them. Let no man deceive you by any means, for except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as if he were God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So, with run-on sentences like this, as Paul was prone to do, it's difficult to see everything he's trying to drive at. But let's just keep going and bear with it for now. Remember you not and this is the old King James, that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. He forewarned them about them. That's prophecy. And now you know what withholds that back, or that which restrains to the end, it says in the AV, American version. And he that... um, or that he might be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of iniquity or lawlessness is already working, not only, or I'm sorry, only he that now lets it, only there is one that restrains now, it means, until he be taken up out of the way. And then, That wicked one, Satan and his cohorts, 
be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume. Consume? You mean he doesn't live forever in hell? No, he's consumed with the breath of his mouth and shall destroy, bring to nothing, with the brightness by the manifestation of his coming. A lot's going to happen at the return of Christ. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, and see, this is what he was really getting at here, talking about the Antichrist, with all power and signs and by lying wonders. So he's the one Jesus is going to destroy and consume at his return. That's what he's saying, exactly. And for this cause, well, uh, let me just back up and read it all. Even him who's coming, and even him is not in the original, so who's coming is after the working of Satan, so that would be the Antichrist, with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness, or that is deceit, of unrighteousness for them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. Do we believe lies now in this day and age? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lots of them. There's so much information out there, we don't know what to believe. Well, the Bible hasn't changed. It hasn't devolved. It is still valid. All of it, from Genesis to Revelation, still valid. Oh, where did Jesus say that it's still valid? Is that Old Testament stuff still good, still valuable? Well, let's just check out Luke 16 uh, and verse 31 and see what he says. Luke 16, verse 31, the famous parable of Lazarus and the rich man. But we're not going to go into that. We're just going to see that one verse because I want to show you that Jesus himself corroborated, corroborated the Old Testament. Here's what he said. And he said unto him, If you hear not Moses and the prophets, you are not going to be persuaded even if one rose from the dead. You see, Jesus is the New Testament, the one who rose from the dead. So if you don't believe the Old Testament, Moses and the prophets, how are you going to believe Jesus, the New Testament. So the Old Testament is just as valid as the New, according to Jesus' own words. Now, so let's talk about this coming Antichrist and see exactly what he was talking about. Daniel chapter 11 says this, in verse 11, 11, 11, we can all remember 11, 11. Daniel, 
The king of the south shall be moved with choler, and shall come forth and fight with him, that is, the king of the north, and set forth a great multitude. Now I'm going to drop down to verse 14. And in those times there shall many stand up against the king of the south, also robbers, children of the violent among your people, shall exalt themselves to establish the vision, but they shall fall. I want to point out one other thing. I think this is in chapter 10. Um, Let's see. No. It's in the latter part of uh, Daniel 9. It's all prophecy. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, seven days. And in the middle of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, to stop. And with the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even to the consummation that in that determined or wrath be poured upon the desolate. Now, this is very awkward language, really. But I want to point out this word, excuse me, this word overspreading. This is only one place in the entire Bible. And it means to project laterally in every direction. Well, in the days when Daniel uh, penned these words, there were no bombs. There were no bombs. There were no hydrogen weapons or no atomic bombs. And so this overspreading, projecting in every direction, is a uh, a word that he seldom used. If I mean, it's not used in all of the Hebrew text of the Old Testament. No. And it's the word kanaf. K-A-N-A-P-H. Overspreading. Nukes. Bombs. That's what I believe that word means. Now, what's going to get nuked exactly? Well, we're talking about the Middle East, Jerusalem and its surrounds, and especially Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia and Yemen, Oman, Jordan, Turkey, all of that whole region, the oil-producing countries, OPEC, that's where the war is going to end up. It may not start there, or it might. I don't know. I want every one of us to keep our eyes on Jerusalem, on Israel. So let's go somewhere else to see more. We'll go to Isaiah 13. Isaiah 13. Wow. The burden of Babylon which Isaiah, the son of Amoz, did see. Lift up the banner upon the mountain and exalt the voice unto them. Shake your hand that they may go into the gates of the nobles. And then uh, let's drop down to verse 
6. Verse 6 says, Howl, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and it shall come as destruction from the Almighty, like Sodom and Gomorrah, for example. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart melt, and they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them, and they shall be in pain as a woman that travails. In other words, as having a baby. And they shall be amazed at one another, and their faces as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, both cruel and with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate and destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in its going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to stop, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible." And I will make a man more precious or rare than fine gold. And I'll stop right there for now. This is scary. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah, it's very scary. And then if you go to chapter 34, just a few pages over, we read this. Verse 1, chapter 34 of Isaiah. Come near, you nations, and hear. Listen, you people. Let the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world and all things that come out of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them, and has delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain shall be cast out, and their stink come up out of their carcasses. Ew! That's scary and ugly. And the mountains shall be melted with their blood, or covered, saturated. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens rolled together as a scroll. Now, how could that be? How could the heavens get rolled together like a scroll? What happens when you roll a scroll together, or roll, it, roll them up? Well, you can't see the words anymore the words disappear. And so, if the heavens get rolled up, we can't see the stars anymore. That's what I think that means. And let's go to verse 4. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved. That's where we were. And all their hosts shall fall down. Wait a minute now. These are stars in the heavens. And they're going to fall to the earth? I'm here to say, that's not what he's talking about. Then what is? Well, right now, the Internet is kept up there by satellites. 22,500, roughly, satellites. New ones are going up every day, seems like, and replacing old ones. And every once in a while... The engineers who are stationed all around the world 
with radio towers, radio signals beaming up to make course corrections with these satellites don't quite um, prove themselves able to control them perfectly and they bonk one into another. And when they do, they fall to the earth, wasting millions, maybe billions of dollars because they're not cheap, these communication satellites. That's what keeps the Internet up there. But thankfully, we have double coverage or maybe several that cover the same area. Personally, I love the Internet. I think it's great. But I think Jesus himself said that that would stop. Yes, you heard correctly. Jesus predicted the end of the Internet. Wait, 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 wait. You're going way far afield there, Albert. Uh, Well, let's just go and see. Matthew 24 and verse 29. What does that say? And we all need to study our Bibles more, including me. But it says this. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens be shaken. Unquote. Well, the stars are suns. They're, they're big balls of gas that are on fire. That's what causes the stars to shine. But if you look out at the night sky and you watch long enough, you will see that some of the satellites are moving. Those are exactly satellites that keep the Internet alive. You don't have to look very long. You can see them. Well, that's what's going to fall. Every last one of those are coming down. 22,000 satellites Where are they going to hit? I hope they don't hit your neighborhood or mine. You want more proof? Okay, let's go to Revelation chapter 9 and verse 2. And keep in mind, we're talking about the day of the Lord. Um, Let's see, chapter 9 and verse 2. Well, in verse 1, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. And to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Huh. Verse 2. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Unquote. Exactly. Now, these satellites must be maintained on a daily basis, on a constant 24-7 basis, using those radio satellite, um, uh, actually they're dishes that push the radio signals to make course corrections through retro rockets on board on these satellites, They must be maintained all the time, around the clock, and around the world, in order to keep them from falling down. 
Now, what happens when we nuke out the Middle East, the oil fields, what are we going to see? We're going to see gigantic billows of smoke. And we're going to go to Joel 2 in a second and see that. But these billows of smoke have nowhere to go, and it will burn at millions of degrees. This is oil. Can you imagine Lake Michigan full of oil instead of water, and it's set on fire with a nuclear blast? Whoa. Well, we're going to have several of those. In fact, most of Iraq will get nuked because they're in between the Shiites and the Sunnis. They hate one another. The Shiites are strict moralists. They are by-the-book Muslim. And the Sunnis are just the opposite. They're loose and uh, rich and filthy, and they do all sorts of uh, crimes against humanity, if you ask me. And their day is coming, and they will be destroyed, completely destroyed. But the smoke is going to be so hot that it will fuse to the particles of the air. The air will become black, and we can't breathe black air. Take one whiff of that, and you're dead. That's what I see here in this. The sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Revelation 9.2. It can't get much plainer than that. Now, the scriptures are all full of this kind of language, and yet we never hear a word hardly about it from the pulpit. We don't hear about the day of the Lord. We don't hear about the darkening of the skies. We don't hear about the smoke. We don't, you know, in, in church, in pastors, in seminary schools, we avoid talking about prophecy. Why? It's in the Bible. It's all full of it. In fact, about two-thirds of the Bible is prophecy, uh, the way I understand it. And there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. For example, Joel 2. And if you go through the uh, all the minor prophets... You can find this all over the place. Joel 2, and starting in verse 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Um, this would be Israel and its remnants, which is the church. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord comes, and it is near at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess. It's not a day of joy, at least not until after he fixes it. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. You can't breathe oil smoke. And what happens? Well, that oil smoke spreads worldwide. Why? Well, because the earth isn't stationary, it turns. 
but the smoke is fluid. It's going as the Earth turns. The atmosphere of the Earth is going to change. It's going to grow a little bit darker every single day. Desert Storm. Anybody remember that? Well, I live in Florida, and、uh, I remember the smoke of that. Remember,、um, Saddam Hussein and his henchmen set about nine hundred oil fires. These are just little twelve-inch, maybe sixteen-inch wells, and he set them on fire. The smoke filled the atmosphere to the point where I could see it in the air. Well, we got a kind of a grayish-brown haze that came over Florida until Red Adair and his people put those fires out, which is a long, drawn-out, dangerous process. Can you imagine? Instead of twelve-inch wells, we've got Lake Michigan and several of those on fire. You know, in In Iraq, there are pools of oil that are exposed to the air right now. They're not nuked. They're not on fire. But there are pictures on the internet that you can get. Just type in "Where's the oil," and you'll come up with the Brookings Institute. And there's an article in there that shows a picture of an oil pond. An oil lake, if you will, with oil bubbling up, shooting up like a little fountain. Ah, <sighs> boy, oh boy, oh boy! Now, what happens if we have several of those, and they melt one into the other? They're covered only by about twenty-five feet of sand in some places, and a nuclear bomb could easily blow away. That sand exposing that vast amount of oil under Iraq. You know, I think they've got more oil than anybody laying underneath that sand of theirs. According to the Brookings Institute, they discovered in 1985 the Russians went down there and explored with、uh, deep earth penetrating radar. And found that there's more oil there than anywhere on Earth. But anyway, to continue, it's a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. And the morning—it's as if the morning were spreading over the mountains, and a great people and strong. There's never been a like. But you know, this smoke will spread around the world. Wow! A fire devours before them and behind them, and this is the ones causing this devastation with bombs.、Um, behind them, a flame burns, and the land which was as the Garden of Eden before them is now left behind them a desolate wilderness. And nothing shall escape them. Whoa! Get what he says in verse ten, chapter two of Joel: The earth shall quake before them, and the heavens shall tremble. 
the stars, or no, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And there it is again, Revelation 9, 2, Ezekiel 32, 7, Matthew 24, 29, Isaiah 13, 10, and even Psalms 18 and verse 7, if you want to look those up. Now let's go to some other scriptures I wanted to show you. But we need to talk about the day of the Lord. I know it's ugly. I know it's scary. But if you read chapter 35 of Isaiah, you'll find the outcome is wonderful and good. And I'd like to go there, too. But he says in Amos chapter 1, verse 12, I will send fire upon Teman. Where's that? Well, it's Saudi Arabia. And I will devour the palaces of Basra. Now, there's two Basras in the Middle East. One is in Iraq. Look at what he says in um, Amos 5:18. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what good is it, or what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness, not light. It's as if a man fleed... Or, <laughs> ran away from a lion, and a bear met him, or went into the house, and he put his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? The good news is we have a Savior in Jesus Christ who will return and fix us, fixes this. Chapter 35 of Isaiah, the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. That's for Jesus and his coming saints with him. The desert also shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon, and they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. So that's what we all have to look forward to. That is the good news. You can read the rest of the chapter, chapter 35 of Isaiah, and also Isaiah 11, and many other passages which talk about the return of Christ. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Don't be afraid of prophecy. It's not intended to scare you. It's intended to prepare you. Keep looking up. You can go to my website and learn more from the books that I've got uh, written and put up there. It's, you can download them for free. It's there as a public service in the public interest. So there's no ads on the website, itellwhy.com. If you want to email me, you can at jesusisy at gmail.com. Ask your questions. I'll try to answer them on the air. I care about you because you care about Jesus and the coming days in prophecy. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week.